What is it about the unknown that fascinates us so much? Is it for the thrill of it all? Or do we seek proof of life after death? Whatever our reason may be, we find ourselves being drawn in by these places and the bone-chilling tales that they have to offer. Tortured souls cross boundaries to reach out with stories that they want to share with us. There are times we simply hear the echoes of a memory on loop. The question that remains is this, are you open-minded enough to handle it? Dive into the paranormal with DC O'Rourke, your personal guide, as we traverse the globe to dissect haunted places in each and every episode of Hauntingly Yours, a podcast for the paranormal, where the spirits are always waiting. Welcome back, and thanks for tuning in to Hauntingly Yours, a podcast for the paranormal. I am DC O'Rourke, and I will be your storyteller each episode as we get together to hear chilling tales of those who have left us behind. If you'd like to have your own story told on this podcast, shoot us an email, hauntinglyyourspodcast at gmail.com, or give us a call at 804-684-1644. Today's episode is number three in our podcast, and it will be dedicated to the historically haunted town of Bardstown, Kentucky, one of the most beautiful small towns in America, or so I'm told. Bardstown, though, isn't that a great name? I feel like this is a place where I can feel truly comfortable living. I am a storyteller. Bardstown is the second oldest city in Kentucky, coming in just after Harrodsburg, which is considered number one. The area was settled by European Americans as early as 1780, but the city itself was not formally established until 1788 when it was named for the pioneering Bard brothers, David and William Bard. The city would soon become the first center of Catholicism west of the Appalachian Mountains as people began to migrate at the end of the American Revolution. The Diocese of Bardstown found itself being established on February 8, 1808 by Pope Pius VII as a means of serving all Catholics between the Appalachians and the Mississippi River. According to sources, this split the prior all-encompassing Diocese of Baltimore, which had been created in 1789. The entire area is now served by more than 44 dioceses and archdioceses in 10 different states. If you were to take a closer look, you would see the development of communities with Catholicism across the nation as immigration brought forth new populations. Is there a cathedral in Bardstown? (laughs) Yeah, the answer to that question is most definitely yes. Turns out the Cathedral of Bardstown is the Basilica of St. Joseph Proto Cathedral. As we progress further in time and arrive at the year 1841, the seat of the diocese ends up being relocated to the port town of Louisville, just on the south bank of the Ohio River. We're not here to talk religion, though. Are we? No. I I, I made everyone a promise in the first episode that this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. I'm not going to force feed you anything about religion or try to convince you of anything that you don't already believe in. I will stay true to that promise. My beliefs are my own and yours are yours. That being said, let's shift our focus. Let's take a look 
at a little place called the Old Talbot Tavern. It's located within the heart of Bardstown, just off Courthouse Square, and serves as a part of the city's colorful history. Nowadays, the tavern actually serves as a restaurant which sports American fare. It has a, a bourbon bar, a bed and breakfast with six overnight rooms. The Talbot Inn, which is a sister property, it's right next door and that has 15 overnight rooms. Originally built in 1779 though, it is considered the oldest Western stagecoach, stagecoach stop in America. Now, almost from the very beginning, even though it was rough around the edges for the most part, it's been a haven of hospitality to those in need of a place to kick their feet up for the night. The building itself is made of thick Flemish bond stone walls, and it has deep window casings, heavy ceiling timbers, and built-in cupboards that would strongly remind the right person of Warwickshire Inns in England. The cooking has always been done in two fireplaces in the rear of the original section. Traces remain of the staircase to the loft where men were housed in one of two rooms while women were housed in the other. The practice of giving individual rooms to guests was not actually introduced in the United States until about 1805. Due to its unique location, every stagecoach from every direction was forced to stop at this particular tavern's doors. It was here that the weary traveler would be met with warmth as their horses were fixed up for the long journey ahead. Through the welcoming portals of this old tavern, there passed a long procession of statesmen, soldiers, adventurers, artists, foreign rulers, Andrew Jackson actually got to know the warmth of the hearth fire in the central room. William Henry Harrison found cheer in its friendly atmosphere. General George Rogers Clark used the tavern as a base of operations. Provisions and munitions were brought over land from Virginia and stored in its cellars. General George S. Patton has even walked through its very doors. Legends say that during King Louis Philippe's exile, he, his two brothers, and some other members of their party desiring to see the New World arrived at the tavern on October 17, 1797. During their stay, one or more of the entourages believed to have painted murals of a French garden on the walls. Louis was very fond of Bardstown, so much in fact that he donated a decent amount of paintings to a nearby cathedral. Stephen Collins Foster, does that name ring any bells? He came through at one point to visit his cousin Judge John Rowan at Federal Hill, and he knew the charms of the inn quite well. Abraham Lincoln, at the age of five years old, stayed at the tavern with his parents while they were involved in a land dispute. The Lincolns lost the case, and as a result moved to Indiana. John Fitch, the inventor of the steamboat, spent many hours in this old tavern as well. The Western Herald, published in Bardstown on September 23, 1829, carried the following advertisement. Chase Holloway, having returned to the old stand formerly occupied by our head, west of the courthouse, has one of the largest, best constructed, and the most convenient hotels in the place. 
The stable corresponds in size and convenience of patronage and to customers in the general to pledge himself to devote his whole attention to render their situation comfortable and agreeable. The eastern end of the building was first erected with its two-footed walls of solid stone. Later, a western wing of brick and the connecting wing with verandas was added. This brick section was added sometime in the early 1800s. It's in this portion of the building that Alexander Walters was born. Walters, is one of the co-founders of, of the NAACP, was born right in the kitchen area. His mother, believe it or not, was actually a slave. The final addition of this building was done in the 1960s and is the most western part of the property. It originally housed a drugstore. In the course of history, this ancient building has borne many different names. It was called the Hines, Bardstown Hotel, Chapman's House, Shady Bower Hotel, the Newman House, Old Stone Tavern, and today, of course, it is the Old Talbot Tavern. Despite its varied history, though, the Old Talbot Tavern has always been known for ghostly stories told by the locals and various guests over the years. The famous ghostly visitor, the most famous ghostly visitor, I should say, is supposedly Jesse James, the outlaw. Another is a mysterious lady in white. They always appear as apparitions. Sometimes the ghosts of children have even been seen frolicking around the tavern. George Talbot, who owned the tavern in the late 1880s, actually had six children who all died under the, this very roof. Some of them died tragically. The other stories include round balls of light or orbs, you might say, moving around rooms in the middle of the night, flashes of light without cameras. More stories include movements of objects without any cause, such as forks and glasses on dining room tables without anyone ever even touching them. Keys disappear from the front desk and show up down the hall on the floor later that day. Furniture has even been known to start jumping up and down without any rhyme or reason. Some folks have claimed to have seen shadows walk out of dark corners and into the light before disappearing. The sounds that are most heard are music, clocks chiming out during late night hours, doors opening and closing when no one else is in the building, and an awful lot of footsteps all hours of the day. They even claim to hear knocking at doors with no one there when you go to see who, who it just might be. An old piano has been heard playing by itself from time to time, and voices, disembodied voices, have called out from empty areas. With as much history as this place has seen, it doesn't surprise me one bit. It's obviously very active. Late one evening, a former manager of the tavern and a cook had just closed down for the evening. They both grabbed their things and then the cook escorted the manager upstairs to the safe, just like they did every night. As they were headed up the stairs, they were talking amongst themselves about how the dinner shift had gone that evening when they all of a sudden stopped short. A mysterious man in a long brown duster jacket swept across the landing at the top of the staircase. He mumbled to himself as he went along. Both the manager and the cook hurried the rest of the way to the top to see who it was, as the building should have been empty. When they got up there, though, the only thing they saw was the door closing to the Jesse James room. A definite chill was in the air. 
Now, the manager and cook were left with quite the dilemma, I guess you could say. The building was empty except for the two of them. On top of that, no one should have been in the Jesse James room, especially at this hour. The manager gestured to the cook without a word and motioned for him to follow her through the office. They darted through the room, making haste for the exit. Their hearts were beating wildly in their ears. The moment they arrived at the exit door, they spotted him. The mysterious man with the long duster jacket. He turned and flashed a smile that smelled like mischief. He smelled just like a thing of the past. He looked like a figure straight from the Wild West. His jacket was brown, just like the hat on his head. His eyes were soulless and black. Unable to react, the manager stood still and stared blankly. When the cook moved toward the man, he walked right through the exit door and disappeared. About three weeks later, the manager was watching a special on television and they showed a picture of a familiar face. There was no doubt about it. The man she saw on the landing that night was none other than the outlaw, Jesse James. Other employees have claimed to have seen Jesse James walking through the halls at different times. I'm not disputing their word, but I can't figure out why Jesse James would haunt this particular old building. He did come to Bardstown to visit family on more than one occasion, namely his cousin Donnie Pence, who was the local sheriff. Legend tells us that he had too many drinks one evening, then went upstairs in the tavern to sleep it off. Next thing you know, he sees a strange blur out the corner of his eye. He whips out his revolver and fires off several shots into the bedroom walls. Some folks say that he was shooting at birds that had somehow managed to get into his room. Others say he saw a ghost and reported it to management the following day. I'm afraid we will never really know the truth. What's even sadder is the fact that the bullet holes left behind did not survive. Unfortunately, an electrical fire happened in March of 1998, and when the place was restored, the bullet holes went with it. Guests have seen their fair share of strangeness also. Several guests over the years have reported encounters with a lady in white. One such couple had rented a room for the night. They were visiting from out of town and hoped to experience bourbon country at its finest. Well, the two of them got all snuggled in for their first night, and when they were sound asleep and all was going well, they're off in Never Never Land, they get awoken. It's very abrupt. They awake to this odd bedside presence. It's about 3 a.m. There at the foot of their bed was a pale woman dressed in all white. She floated there silently. The couple reached for the other's empty hand and held tight. The husband mustered up. Who are you? The pale specter floated past them and exited right out of an open window just near the bed. Enough was enough. They checked out the following morning. During the daytime hours, one particular server says that she has seen a mysterious lady in white on three separate occasions waltz through the dining room while she was in the middle of doing prep work. When I go check to see who she is, I can never find her, the server tells us. Each time she was always dressed the same. She was thin with long brown wavy hair and had on a white dress from another time period. On another occasion, a rather irate gentleman who was staying at the tavern came down early one morning to file a complaint with management. The first thing out of his mouth was, is this place haunted? 
The manager laughed and politely said, Not that I'm aware of. Why? The gentleman went on to tell her that during his sleep the previous night, he had awoken to bright balls of light bouncing around the room. They were everywhere, he said. There must have been a million of them. There were reds, greens, yellows, blues. The moment he tried to get up and look at them more intimately, he was pinned down to the bed by an unseen force. Something forced electricity into his body and it heightened every one of his senses. He could not stop staring at those lights, though. It wasn't a painful experience, he said, but something weird was going on. There had to be ghosts in the building. After that, he decided it was best if he probably found another place to stay. Take what you just learned and ask yourself, is the old Talbot Tavern haunted? What was once a bustling place for weary cowboys and pioneers is now just a quiet old tavern that serves some damn good bourbon. If it is indeed haunted, why do the spirits come back? Is it a reminder of fonder times? Or is it just unfinished business, perhaps? The next time you're planning a vacation to Kentucky where you just find yourself passing through, consider stopping at the old Talbot Tavern. I hear the food is good, the beds are comfy, and the spirits are obviously plentiful. Until next time, guys, I am DC O'Rourke, your storyteller. I am and will remain, much like the spirits, hauntedly yours.